It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to the Roper Report podcast in association with Pork Brewery. You've got a slightly different host today. It's been a little while since I've done this. Uh, it's Graham, if you haven't recognised the accent. I've got three guests with us, none of them special in any way, shape, size, or form. First and foremost, I've got Gav. How are you doing, Gav? You all right? Very well. A little bit hungover, celebrating the, the win, but uh, I feel all right. I've just had a coffee. Sam? All good. Yeah, I'm good. A bit cold, but no, can't complain. Cold. And it's nice and warm in here. Fingers are still tingling from outside, I think. Soft. <laughs> and Craig? I'm all right. Yeah. Not angry. I'm... <laughs> Relatively upbeat for a change. So <laughs> I'm not angry. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm sure. We'll, I'll we'll, we'll about sound it. very mellow. I think no, we're all like drugs or something. Yeah, I'm absolutely fine. <laughs> um, wearing a nice wee Hummel jacket today as well. A nice retro Hummel well, jacket. Yeah. yeah. For the attention of next year's sponsors. Yeah, Hummel. If you're listening, if someone don't want you, we'll have you. We we'll love you. So, on to today's podcast, as we can tell, we're all very mellow and happy. Um, Informed Sunderland obviously secured a seventh win in nine games on Saturday um, with a disciplined defensive display at the Kassam Stadium. That's really hard to say, by the way. It was our seventh clean sheet in the last eight matches, moved us within three points of League One leaders Rotherham. Chris Maguire's third minute corner went to the only goal of the game. Apparently, it was, I'm going to say it was a Jordan Willis goal, but apparently. It came off John Massino. What were we saying to that, lads? Was it Willis's or was it... Willis is claiming it, like. Yeah. But uh, all the apps and stuff this morning all reckon yeah. that Massino got the goal, so I don't know. I reckon it'll probably go to a dubious panel. If it's I've watched it back a few times and yeah. I just can't tell. I was going to say, yeah. if, it, if it's come off his head, it's going towards goal anyway, isn't it? You'd think. I quite like his name, John Massino. It's like a cheap version of like Jose Mourinho. I thought it was John Mourinho at first. That's the weirdest, <laughs> John blend. Mourinho. That's the weirdest blend of names I've ever heard. <laughs> the English. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sure he was at Stevenage for Stevenage, years, yeah. Centre mid, though. Back, he, was, was he not centre mid? I think so, yeah. Was he now centre half? Yeah, about 90. It's my League One knowledge. There. Um, say we've gone way off the pace here, haven't we? Yeah, we have. But it's, it's stunned the hosts, we could say. Um, nice early doors, opening goal. But um, they were playing with sort of all three centre-backs for the first time this season, I think. So they try to match our formation, more or less. But we'll continue to enjoy plenty of the ball. I think Maguire prodded a 12-yard shot over the bar, give or take. However, Oxford did have a good second half. They did show plenty of like intent, I would say. Plenty sustained pressure. I think with Josh Ruffles had that 20-yard volley that was pushed over by John McLaughlin. Great save. Yeah. Then he headed in at the side net and when he should have probably scored. And at the other end, I think it was pretty much, I would say, the Charlie White chance from about seven yards. Yeah. But obviously we held on to our advantage and we never really, if we we're honest with each other, looked like conceding. How did you feel about the game yesterday, Gav? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it was the, the type of performance that title winning teams give. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a case of we went away, we got an early goal. And in the past, Sunderland teams would have sat back but invited pressure. 
where I just think we never looked like conceding a goal. I just felt totally confident in the defence. Even whenever Oxford were pumping the box full of crosses, we just we just got rid of it. I mean, John McLaughlin was great. The three centre halves were great. Everybody worked back, with probably the exception of White. I thought everyone grafted their nuts off yesterday. I mean, Maguire practically played right back for seventy-five minutes. I think it's just a the type of performance that's indicative of what Parkinson's done now. Is it's got them all working for each other, working for the team a lot fitter, and it's those type of performances and, and th- those wins away from home against good teams that'll see you come the end of the season hopefully promoted. What do you think, Sam? No, I agree. I mean, you watch teams getting promoted and it, you always look back at the, the 1-0 wins, but if you if we win 1-0 every game now, however we play, we'll, we'll get promoted. So I think I was right. It, it There's a difference between this season and last season because although we sat back a bit, we didn't really invite the pressure or we sort of... We, we, we looked comfortable with them crossing it in the box. We sort of were, were standing off them on the wing because we trusted the centre halves. And I thought McLaughlin and Goal was great coming for crosses mm. as well. But to me, it, it it was important because it's shown in the last couple of weeks that we're winning in different ways. So we can blow teams away like we did at home against Rochdale, or we can weather the storm against Ipswich and then score late on or score early on against Oxford, then tighten it up at the back. And I think that's what you need in this division unpredictability because. In the past, we've been too predictable where teams know what they've got to do and will just crumble. So I think credit to Parkinson for that mind. He's, he's well and truly turned it around at this point. There's total game management, isn't it, from Parkinson? Yeah. And like, I still want to see us get promoted before I'm fully in with him, I'll be honest. But what someone said yesterday about even the Ipswich game, like maybe that was his plan all along, just tie them out first half because like they're toothless and they're not confident enough to put the ball in the back of the net and then just batter them second half. But before obviously going to my rant about what I felt about the game, what did you think? No, I, th- I think that's right. And it's it's pretty much for the past three games, at least, you're right there, there seems to be uh-huh. a a definitive game plan for the way we, we we set out. And yesterday, we were very solid from the offset. I can't really add too much more to what these two have already said because it was an excellent performance, very comprehensive, very professional. A lot of positives that we can take from that. I mean, in light of obviously the weather, it made for, for horrendous conditions in the times. It was, it, was, it was ugly to watch, but the team spirit, the fight and the players, it's another clean sheet on the board. Then, as you mentioned at the start, that's what, seven and eight? Yeah. A lot of strong character and mentality because as Sam's mentioned, we've went to places like that last season, even the start of this season, and we've just looked like a rabbit in the headlights and the, the occasions always always kind of overwhelmed us. And I, I know that's a bit silly when you think for going to a place like Oxford, it's not the biggest of stadiums, they're not the most intimidating set of fans, but they're they're a pretty solid team at home and that reflects upon obviously the two cup runs they've had. They've, they've beat a lot of Premier League sides, you know, they, they took Newcastle all the way the other week. But yeah, I, I think to a man yesterday individually, you know, we'll, we'll sing the praises of Jordan Willis later on, I'm sure. He was an absolute rock. Um, McLaughlin, when called interaction, made some some excellent saves. And it's just, again, it's just an all-around excellent performance where there's not too many negatives that you can you can look at. There may, may be a few odd bits and bobs, but on the whole, you know, in, in the conditions, it's an excellent win away from home and a really tough team. Graham mentioned uh, game management before, and I think that was the key yesterday to how we end up winning because it was pretty obvious early in the second half that Lyndon Gooch just wasn't, it wasn't his day. And they were also overrunning us in the centre of the park, so he brings Scowen on really early, which, yeah. I mean, we've all sort of scratched our heads over the timing of his subs, recently Parkinson, but to his credit, he brought Scowen on with, what, 55 minutes on the clock, I think? Yes. Yeah, um, which really shored us up in the middle. And then Oxford, not long after, brought on Brown, who's their best player by a country mile. Um, I think he picked up a knock through the week, so that's probably why he didn't start. He came on, and 
I mean, he couldn't get within ten yards of our box. All of his he's he's the one player they've got with the pace, um, you know, the technique to get past players. We were just that compact. We really restricted him from doing anything, and it sort of meant the majority of the crosses that they were delivering were coming from deep. Yeah, and our keeper was eating them up. It was, I mean, as, as defensive performances go, that's that's as good as it gets. I think at this level, I just even when Ozturk came on for Bailey Wright. You never missed a step, you know what I mean? Nah. It was like, I think that's just the way Parkinson's got it now. Everybody knows their job. So somebody gets injured, the whole team knows, right, well, we adapt this way, we adapt that way. Ozturk comes onto the pitch, or he's obviously had a good run of games in this team, playing that exact position. So he comes on, knows his job, and slots in seamlessly. And it's it's the reason why we got the points, because every player knew what they were doing. I just think that's that, that going forward is going to be key against some tough teams. I mean, we've got Coventry... Uh, Gillingham, Peterborough. Peterborough, Fleetwood to play, I think, haven't we? So yeah. they're all decent teams. Um, and in those games, against teams like Oxford, you know, they're all good sides like Oxford are, um, fine margins are going to win us the point, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's the, the concentration levels, I think, I've noticed over the past um, the past few games as well, mentioning Ozturk the way he came on. That was a substitution that perhaps you wouldn't have expected <coughs> because Bailey Wright was, again, you know, delivering really, really well. He goes off. Um, and Ozturk, he, he perhaps hadn't even been warming up really. He yeah. comes on out of nothing, and then it, to just come in into those conditions, Oxford were knocking on the door slightly at that stage as well, and he just did not look out of place. So, you know, previously you would look at that last season, and I think when we went down there, we had a bit of a mishap at the back and conceded later on. I think Jimmy, Jimmy Dunn. Dunn fell over, is that right? Yeah. And, yeah. and Sinclair squared over for an equaliser, but you just can't see much of that right now there's there's not many mistakes and if there is there's always somebody there to, to kind of clean up the mess so if it is the case that Bailey Wright is out for a while you know ordinarily you would be panicking but Ozturk I think will be be more than an adequate replacement we started the good run with him and the team so let's uh, let's hope that he, he continues that form. I think that the January window was and I do understand the criticism for people saying that Parkinson was going to be back with money when he obviously wasn't. I understand that, but I think with what Parkinson had, if they've been his signings, he's done a cracking bit of business just to improve the squad. Like, I mean, I've always been a, a big fan of of George Dobson, as many people know, and I think I've always been quite critical of Max Power, but I think both of them have looked absolutely superb. And how much of that is like buoyed by the signing of Josh Gowan? It's a funny one, isn't it? Because you go back, you know, maybe ten games or so, and. I we just could not see any of this happening, hence no. why there was so much unrest in the ground and unrest on social media and what have you. And it wasn't even so much like a, a slow transition where, you know, we just kind of eased into this. Something just flicked the switch and then we've went from being absolutely terrible, talking about potentially going down again, to yeah. all of a sudden saying, you know what, actually, if we can tidy this up, then we can get promoted and... I'm not entirely sure. Maybe, you know, sincere when everyone kicked off, give them a kick up the backside. I don't know. But how many times, and it's not just us, but everybody have said, look, you know, you could and should be delivering a whole lot better. It's a funny one, but Dobson and, and Power in particular, Power's shown the leadership qualities that you would expect. I, I've been one of his biggest, um, Same and I, his biggest I, yeah, critics. He's been brilliant the past but 10 games. Yeah, he's, he's starting to show now why he should have the armband. And... Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, Dobson as well. We we all we all cry to say like, let's let's get him out of the team because he was looking a bit leggy, especially after Portsmouth. Yeah, now, yeah. I after agree, that Portsmouth that, game, yeah. that was the the time really, wasn't it? Because if you win games and you take a player out, people are going to you know kind of have a a bit of a moan and groan about that. But Parkinson, to his credit, he said, "No, I'm going to keep the team." Um, 
and and everyone has, has responded well. I remember off the back of that podcast, it, the biggest talking point, if you like, was everyone saying it's not so much about this defeat now; it's about how how we react to it. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've put that right. We've won three games, three on the bench, yeah, three any. big games, um, and everyone's delivered. Whether it's across all three or or whether it's you know maybe at least one or two games, I think I think everybody deserves the plaudits who's been involved. I, th- I think I think that when you're talking about what what was the catalyst for the change, I think a lot of it's obviously confidence and momentum because you you, you just once a team's going they are difficult to stop especially one like ours where we've got some good players but um i think a lot of it was the off the pitch stuff yeah. so obviously the work on the fitness um pretty early into his tenure he isolated mcgeady as a problem mm. and he and he he made sure i mean he was training on afternoons when all the players were gone with the kids and then he got rid of obviously uh, mcnulty who was a you know one of mcgeady's mates in the training on the training ground. Um, I've heard good things. I heard that thing about McNulty not too long ago that apparently someone said he was disruptive, but to be honest, all I've heard from well, what I've, I've heard just, about McNulty is that he wasn't, is I that just, he was a I think it's. I think lad. it's pretty notable that he, he wasn't really playing once Parkinson came in Yeah, and he was allowed to leave when he really is probably a better option than some of the players we've got in terms of ability. Yeah. So I just think, I think what he did was he, he, he noticed a problem, he got rid of it, he brought in a fitness coach who made all the players work harder on the training ground. Um, and I think you can't underestimate the importance of that, particularly the isolating of big characters like McGeady. I mean, once he's gone, it's pro- it's allowed players like 09, Willis, Power to step up. Those are natural leaders who I would I would hazard maybe weren't able to um, to fully express themselves. When McGeady when was Ma- there. When maybe players yeah. like McGeady were around, I don't know. I'm purely speculating, but... you. You definitely get the impression that particularly Power has really, really stepped into the role as captain, um, and, and and he's grown with it. And then obviously, you know, there was that bit which came came out through the week. O nine and Willis have started doing like one to one sessions yeah, with right. some of the academy players off their own back. Have started doing one to one sessions with the academy players, like but sitting down and talking to them, and like I just think that's brilliant. I'm like. Well, Where's this been? You know, this, these, this is exactly what you want from your players at Sunderland, and maybe it's just been a case of, you know, Onayan maybe is is not being able to be himself fully, and maybe impart himself upon the other players fully. But it would appear now, looking on the pitch, that 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 hard work, that grit, determination is right through the squad now, because every player seems to be on the same page. I mean, even when we scored yesterday, every single player ran to celebrate together. Um, and the, the, you know they work hard for each other. I just think it's great now watching us, um, and that really that credit has to go to Parkinson because yeah. these same players weren't doing that for Jack Ross. There was obviously an issue there that <clears throat> maybe Jack Ross wasn't willing to, to isolate. You know he was clearly a big fan of McGeady, for instance. McGeady was his number one player. The team kind of built around McGeady, so it was surprising to most people when Parkinson came in and decided that no, no, we're not going to be Aid McGeady FC. We're going to be a team again, and I think that's. That's going to be huge going forward. It does feel like that, doesn't it? It does feel like, I'll come back to you, Sam, it does feel like um, like last season, McGeady was obviously our standout player, probably with McLaughlin sort of like behind him as the most consistent because I think McGeady came in in like October. But I mean, you do have the likes of like Gooch and Maguire who can pull out magic from nowhere, especially Maguire. Um, but it does feel very much like when we're talking about performances, we're not going, oh, how great was player X, Y, Z? It's like, how great was... Him at the back, him in the middle, him up front, him in mm. goal. It's like we're talking about a team, isn't it, Sam? It's more about a team rather than like any set or cluster of individuals, which maybe it probably was last season. Yeah, I think that's I think that's that's testament to Parkinson to uh, getting 
get his sort of ideology out there. I think um, I think we turned it round when he started playing the five at the back, and it was obvious he'd been working on it behind the scenes, but he was very vocal about the fitness not being up to scratch. And I think once it was to his standard and um, he could implement it, then we've seen a totally different team. And I think that's the important word, like you were saying there, team, it's not... So much, oh, what a uh, what a great goal McGeady scored. I mean, you, you need that every so often. You look at MK Dons, we needed a bit of magic from Gooch, but no, it's 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 looking it's looking incredibly better. And like Gav was saying, there players like O Nine and Willis. Not only is that um are the 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 more confident and the more vocal. I think over recent weeks, O Nine's looked. He's done things on the ball that I've never seen him do because everyone mm-hmm. knows he's got the work rate and stuff. But I think the the club shared a a, a tweet of him bringing the ball down and switching the play and playing in Maguire and he just he looked really good on the ball technically and that just comes with confidence from I think it comes with hard work to be honest I don't yeah. think <clears throat> I remember when 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 Luke O'Neill signed for Sun and I interviewed his best friend um Ben who he played with at Watford I think um and he was the guy who took you know Luke O'Neill to one side when he got released by Watford mm. and was like I'll help you work on your game so he knows he knows him better than anybody um and kind of the impression that we all got, because nobody really knew who Luke O'Nine was at the time, and the impression that we got was that he was a you know a hard worker, just a grafter. Wickham fans were like, "Oh, he'll work his socks off for you," blah blah blah. Yeah. And I was, I remember during that conversation, he he said to me, he said, "You know, it's a misconception about Luke that he's just a hard worker. He's technically a lot better than anybody thinks he is, and he's got so much more room to to, to grow." Um, and that comes with hard work. I mean, it it's no secret that he he's a He's doing all the extra training and putting in all the extra work and, you know, videos of him all the time playing head tennis, this, that and the other. But it's all little things like that that, that build up and improve your sharpness, improve your touch. Yeah. Um, I mean, I got pelters for this when I said it last year, but I, on- I honestly think that Luke O'Nine's got one of the best first touches of any player I've seen at Sunderland. Just the way he can bring the ball down and run onto it and or just pick it out the air. I mean, that that's not a... Some players, like, I mean, Sessegnon, that's God-given. That sort of, you know, when he was able to just pluck the ball out of the air, Berbatov, for instance, it's, I mean, it's God-given talent that. Luke O'Nines is literally just all the hard work he puts in. Yeah. He's, he's improving his game all the time. Um, and, I mean, people. some people still think of him as a centre midfield player, but he is. He's, he's turned into a really, really good right wing back. One that if we go up, he's a championship player to me. I yeah, mean, he can play a number of positions, but yeah. he can... I, I, and I'm... I think there are still areas of his game he needs to improve. I mean, his end product's not great. Um, I would like to see when he's getting past people, maybe deliver a better quality of ball mm. in the box. But then at the same time, I see the same of Hume. And I sometimes wonder, do we have, you know, is the striker up front good enough? Um, is, is he is he maybe, is his movement good enough for these lads when they're putting the balls in the box? Um, but I mean, it's all ifs and buts, isn't it? I think, I think these little things like, Good performances from Hume, good performances from 09, the midfielders all clubbing in, the centre halves, you know, improving every single week with the defending. It's all a result of just hard work on the training pitch. Um, hopefully, you know, they, they all stay fit because it's when people start getting injured is when we start, start to worry. Even though we've got quite a good squad, I'm not too sure whether Parkinson's maybe invested enough in some of the players who are sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. And it's going to be, you know, he's, he's kind of keen not to overexpose. Like he spoke in the, in the week, for instance, about um, Semenyo, how it's they've not just had to get him up to speed fitness-wise, but they've also had to get him up to speed on his position and what's expected of him. And the thing is, is that these 11 players pretty much who are playing every week now, um, 
they, they all know their jobs inside out. And it's going to be about now. Like you know, once the games start coming thick and fast towards the, the business end of the season, when more players start getting injured, have are they going to be ready to step straight in? Yeah, you can't have a, you can't have a weak link in this side at all now. And I think but going back to one nine a little bit. Um, one thing I quite like about nine this season, I know he's a bit more advanced than he maybe was last season. He's more of a wing back, right winger than he would be a a right back. But I noticed like a lot of times last season he was almost targeted as like a, a weak spot sometimes, and sometimes he did look like that. And I think it was a, the playoff final. I said the first thing we need to do is bring the right back. And at the time, I was delighted we brought in uh, Conor McLaughlin. That that was a that was a bad move. Um, yeah, I don't think he's really worked out. Um, but when we brought him in, I thought, great, we've got a right back. We can put one nine somewhere where he's probably a bit more suited. Um, I think this season, I think he's he's kind of found his position. I, I, I've watched him in the ten. I was at Sheffield United when he had a good game. I think it was Southend when he scored at MK Dons when he scored the diving header, or maybe both. Um, I think the best I've seen him is right wing back. I think there's less teams seem as a weak a, a weak a weak spot. I think really the only thing I've noticed, I think Pompey spotted it, but Pompey a damn good side. Position um, posi- sorry to put in, but positionally though, you've got basically Willis behind them playing right back. Yeah. If you watch Willis, he's especially when we're on the ball in games where we're dominating possession, Willis plays right back. He's he's on the wing, whipping the ball in. You know what I mean? And that suits all nine to a T. Puts a decent crossing and all, Jordan Willis, to be fair to him for a well, second. Well, like he's big, athletic, great. quick. It's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, he's, he's another... He, when I'm talking about players who are ready for the championship, he's another. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's, yeah, yeah. he was outstanding yesterday. He was my man in the match. And it was difficult to pick a man in the match when you think about how many good performances there were defensively. But I just think Jordan Willis was outstanding. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple of minutes after his um, goal, their player broke away down the left and looked... I mean, if he crossed the ball, I think they would have scored from it. And Willis just comes out of nowhere to block the cross. I mean, it was outstanding. He was like that all afternoon. He never put a foot wrong, really. One one slightly dodgy pass to Dobson aside, he'd done everything right. Um, we're going to face a battle to keep hold of him, even if we go up, I think. Uh, yeah. Teams are going to be looking at him and just thinking he's got everything. You know? he's, he's, I think what you were saying earlier about injuries, for me, off the top of my head, Willis is probably the main one, I think. I w- it would be hard if he got injured because yeah, well, who, would, who would play his position? That's, you know? that's I what I mean. Because Flannel to right the right side, he hasn't got the pace. I've never called him Flannel, by the way. I'm really sorry. We'll cut Flanagan. We'll <laughs> <laughs> no, he's 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 the one player in the team I think is irreplaceable. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree. I would agree with you there. There's no one quite like him with as much pace and as much ability. No, it's a, it's a strong spine now, isn't it? Yeah, McLaughlin. Uh, uh, at the start of the season when we looked quite shaky. Um, you know, when we didn't perhaps have a defensive setup, and in terms of the way, I know Jack Ross wanted to have the three, um, and and obviously never got never got the time to implement that. But but now where it seems to have it's all clicked in, it, it must be an absolute dream for John McLaughlin to have that yeah. settled back line in front of him, where he knows that he doesn't really have too much to worry about. He looks so much happier, doesn't he? Uh-huh. And, and then even in the front now, you've got Power and Dobson protecting that back line as well. Um, where in the past we we haven't had that luxury, so it's. It's just we're, we're spoiled for riches, really, at the moment. The the only worry is, is obviously if Jordan Willis does get injured, who comes in for him? Yeah, Power's an interesting one, though, isn't he? Because yeah. I think he's sort of had his moment of realization that you know he was. I think I think for a lot of the, particularly early in his Sunderland career, trying to do too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is why he was getting sent off all the time, and that obviously played on his mind a lot. I think he's kind of just he's come to a realization now that his role in the team is to do the do the the dirty work. 
Yeah. He, you know, I've wrote about this before as well. I, th- I think you look at all good teams now, th- these days, and whilst like even even look at like Liverpool, Jordan Henderson, his role in that team <coughs> is just to do the crap, do yeah. do all the filling in for the fullbacks, filling in for the centre halves, filling in for the wingers when they can't get back across. Um, you know, that's that's what he's good at. He doesn't have to be spraying 40, 50 yard passes cross field like he was trying to do all the time uh, last season. He's 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 kind of realised. Look, this is my job. This is what I've got to do. Vocal he is as well. I mean, you know, I was I, there's, there's, I've wrote some pretty tough stuff on Max Power since like he's came to the club, and I think the thing with Max Power is I've always known he's been capable of what he's produced over the past ten games, and I'm buzzing to see he's produced it because when he's on form and when he's as vocal as he is, and he's like performing head and shoulders above other players on the opposition team, and he's leading the team the way he is. Yeah, the team responds. He's irreplaceable as well. He's another one that, for me, Max Power on this form, him and Willis are like proper irreplaceable. I would say when, when he's perhaps underwhelmed, under-delivered, under that's coincided with the team also yeah. performing in that particular way as well. Um, I mean, I remember when me and you done the podcast after Boxing Day. <laughs> we dug them all out, didn't we? But yeah. the good thing about it is... It seems like ages ago, I don't I know. <laughs> I was going to say, what, what Gav's mentioned there about the way he's just... Seems to have calmed himself down an awful lot. Yeah. Um, and and he's he's looking at it now and thinking, you know, I really need to step up the plate and assume this responsibility because we've we did lose an awful lot of leaders in the summer, losing cats and losing honeymen. And I'm not sure if last year was just a case of him coming in and, and trying to impress maybe a bit too much with some of the stuff that he was done. But like you said, sometimes you just need somebody in the middle of the park who's prepared to do the ugly stuff that often goes unnoticed. Um, and that contributes an awful lot to to basically winning a game. And again, yesterday, I can't really fault him for anything that he done. You always know Sunderland are playing well when social media is awash with like, opposition fans saying either we're not not loud enough, we're overrated, <laughs> you haven't we're celebrated cheated, we haven't celebrated the yeah. goal enough, or we celebrated it too much. So the fact that like for the past ten weeks it's just been pure salt of social <laughs> media has been fantastic. Yeah. Um, we'll dive into the the three word review, which I kind of wanted to hold back a little bit later. Um, Mainly because the first one I don't understand and maybe I'm missing something completely here, but Glenn SAFC one said do one Dennis. Storm. Storm Dennis. Oh Storm Dennis, there we go. Aye. Fair enough. Uh Ludzi thirty one says got it done. Garby seventy three said watch out Rotherham. I think that's a fair comment. Bold. Bold. Got yeah. that's, we got them last day of the season. Yep, yeah. away. That's oh, imagine. Bold in the league imagine if it comes down to that game. <laughs> oh. I, I, actually, it's Sunderland. It will come down to that game. When was the last time we went to Rotherham? <laughs> was it the Davy Moyes day? Whenever when he came on the pitch at the end, when Zogbia was captain, and was captain, and he scored. That was right. Someone, and that someone Cheshire tweet, cat kit. Yeah, someone tweeted us yesterday, and there was uh, there was a comment along the lines of like, imagine if it goes down to the last last day. We need a point. Rather than need a point, Coventry are just underneath in the last <laughs> oh. fifteen minutes. We just pass it about between us. Now, so oh, like, that is the absolute dream. I would it? have that very much. So finally, got one over on them. Oh yeah, <laughs> never, never forget for something that we weren't born for. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> never nah. forget. I was. I remember ninety-seven a bit. I was eleven, I think. Um, Red Jasper seventy-three said, "Clean sheet brigade." Ian Carr says, "Burgers effing minging." Yeah, and the one who tweeted us beforehand, he was like, can you retweet this play, please, mate? I've just spent four quid on just the absolute biggest disgrace of a burger and I don't want anybody being being robbed of it. So I thought, got to give him a special acknowledgement. King Maguire won, beautiful set piece. I, I, I detect a hint of bias in the name. R. Jax X, harder to say than I thought. Grinding out results. Well, we've kind of attested to that, I agree. Brett from the Exiles. Wet, windy win. 
why is there so many difficult things to say in the Steelworld <laughs> review? Um, Keep you on your toes. And then Adam says, defense were unbelievable. I think we've attested to that. And I'll leave Jakey Boys till the end because I think this is quite, I think this is my favorite. King Alim lives. Is everyone pleased to see Alan Moss take back? I just like when he's on the pitch, me. It's, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because he keeps getting dropped. He's like a cockroach and, and, <laughs> and a bomb attack, isn't he? But it's, it's <laughs> keeps, he keeps, oh, there he is again. The, the only, back in. The only, oh, there he is. Yeah, the only standout moment where you can think like when he was dropped was that Sheffield Wednesday game at the start of last season. Yeah. And then when he comes in from the cold, he performs incredibly well and then gets left out again. And you're like, well, what's he done wrong this time? And it's a funny one because, I mean, kind of going off subject somewhat, Gav mentioned earlier about maybe striking options, things like that, people underperforming. But what annoys me is if Ozturk doesn't have a game as better as, say, Willis or Flanagan or what have you, he seems to be one who's out straight away. Aye. He doesn't really get that opportunity to go, right, okay, maybe I was a 6 or 7 out of 10 today, give me another go and I'll be 8 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 next week. Hadn't, hadn't we kept two clean sheets and then he got dropped? He was yeah. really yeah. Felt a little, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Bailey Wright come in and done all right. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, don't we know. don't know what happens between Monday to Friday, but it's an interesting one that the team seem to be consistently remaining the same but he comes out Parky's done quite well in a sense though to like to come in and to drop him like that after two clean sheets and Sean Bollocks in quite a few I think yeah, that's yeah, one actually... that's one of many big decisions but where I've just like Ooh. doesn't you know. feel like he doesn't feel out of it does he Oztuk Oztuk was on the pitch yesterday and he's, you can see him smiling when he's walking yeah. in he's shaking hands and that can I just point out on all of those videos by the way like how nice is Luke on the mascots when he's coming in, home and away? Like everyone's I think like, he's just like that with everybody. Yeah. He shakes everyone's yeah. hand, doesn't he? Well, we, we were in the, the business lounge last week at the International Fans Weekend, and um, like a few of the players came in and stuff like that. And he was the first one in, and he was like mocked in straight away, asking everyone where they came from. Like Denver Hume was there as well, and Denver was, uh, don't get me wrong, really pleasant, but you can see he's like a young lad, maybe a bit shy. Like Luke 09 was straight in with everyone. Like, where have you come from? How long have you travelled? How long are you here for? Lives for it, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, he just loves his job. Came into me and he's like, oh, where you travelled from? I goes, uh, Jarrow, mate. And he went, oh, did you fly? I was like, I don't think he's got any idea where Jarrow is. <laughs> Let but me add just one quick bit on Luke 09. I know we're, we're going a bit off better be nice about him. No, this, <laughs> it, it's something I've like I've never ever mentioned on any podcasts or anything like that. So a couple of months ago, again, it's plugging who's been and what's we, me and Gav were in one of the lounges for... Want to see Milton Keynes? Does that sound about right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whatever. Well, yeah, that yeah. one. So, Luke 09 comes in. He's manned the match. He scored that uh, that second goal where he lobbed it over the keeper. Um, yeah, yeah. Comes in, manned the match. He's having a, a good laugh carrying on with everybody. And what tends to happen is players will shake hands, photos and, and bugger off. But, I mean, he literally stood there. He was taking photos with everyone. And, you know, ashamedly, even 31-year-old Craig went over and had his photo taken with Luke 09. <laughs> but I stood talking to him for a couple of minutes afterwards. And there was a lady just behind queuing and um, and I, I overheard the, the following conversation. She went over and went, Luke, you're my son's favourite player. Um, he's going through like a torrid time at school at the moment. He's getting bullied. Hates basically everything about his life. It was really, really sad to hear. And you're his favourite player. I was wondering if you could do anything, give me a signature or anything like that, just on, on, on the back of this programme. And, you know, you would you would absolutely make his day. I went, no, 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 no. And he pointed at me, he went, can, can you get this lady's phone? I was like, yeah, sure, okay. So stick the video record on. So he stands next to this particular lady and, um, you know, prior to the recording, what's his name, this, that and the other. He comes on the recording and he was like, oh, hiya, um, Luke 09, your best mate here. Um, just want to let you know that, you know, regardless of the tough times that you're having um, and whatever's impacting or affecting you at school or anything like that, just, you know, keep your chin up. 
just remember, you know, you ever need me to come in and help you or if you ever need me to come down and talk to you or, or even come down and play football with me and your mates or anything like that, I'm just at the end of the phone. I thought, what an unbelievable gesture. Didn't need to do anything of the sort. She was just asking for a scribble on a bit of paper and there's him doing a video where, you know, for an absolute certainty, once that gets passed around that kid's school, you know, everybody's yeah. going to be like, that's Luke Nines, mate. And I just thought, what an unbelievable gesture. He's, he's such he's a, a nice really kid. good kid. Like, yeah. I, I love how, like, when they all come in, they've all got the little wash bags and stuff like that. And he's got, like, a backpack. <laughs> yeah. He's got that kind of, like, slouchy walk. He's uh -huh. like, how are we? Like, just to everyone. It's like, I know it's like, there's some people like, oh, he smiles a lot and all this kind of stuff. You know what? I love Luke yeah. and I always will. The and I think he's a good player with it. Oh, yeah. it's got to be infectious, that I mean, brilliant. the rest of the players, it's got to rub off on other people. Mm -hmm. I was, I was, the dressing room. Well, I was, I was told quite a while ago but like it, it started off where like 09 and I'm not naming names on the players but apparently he was um, doing like loads of extra work in the gym and stuff um, when the other players were leaving to go and play golf and what have you and one of the senior players who was no longer with the club said can you like do that away from the training ground please because you're making the rest of us look bad like deadly serious you're making the rest of us look bad when we're all going off to play golf and stuff you're staying here and doing this that and the other and it started off with just 09 doing that and slowly but surely he was roping other players and he was getting Oz Turk involved and right uh and and eventually now it's got the stage where he he is the leader of the dressing room and everybody does what he does. Yeah. Whereas like last this time last year was not the case at all. Um that's that's been I think a big factor in how things have changed. You can see there's you know? a different core, it seems to be like I mean, as much as we said before, there's like it does seem like a whole like squad of like eighteen or twenty, whatever it may be, but when you really look at it, it does there is like a little core there at the moment, which is like kind of like newish players, like O'Neill, Dobson, uh, Power. You've got like the ones who were there last year and have kind of experienced like the shite that happened in the end last year. But also the people that want to come here and prove each other. I mean, like I was saying, when we were in the um, business lounge last week, you can see the players sort of coming in, stuff like that, which one's coming in. And loads of them were like riding together, like Dobson. We've seen Max Power pull in. And we seen he was getting a lift, and I was like, it'll be with Charlie White because, well, they love each other, don't they? Um, and it was it was George Dobson and and Power, and they were chatting all the way in. And I think Burge rode in with, I think it was Willis. Yeah, I nearly knocked him over in the entrance. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of players that were like coming together, but you could also you can also see on the pitch there's like a little core, isn't it? And I, I, even Bailey Wright. I mean, I know he's he might. I don't know how long he's going to be out for, which is a huge shame, by the way, which we haven't really touched on. But I think was it the Ipswich game? I think you pointed out, guys, like watch the like the behind the scenes stuff that the club posts and things like that. And he's like, gee, and everyone up on the way out, you can just prop a tell he's like a captain in there. Mm -hmm. mm. um, and like last season, we signed loads of leaders, but sometimes I felt like we didn't actually have that many. And then we're coming at this season, I felt like we had like none. This season, I could pinpoint loads. Dobson's really vocal. And I know he was a captain at Walsall, but Dobson's really vocal. Power's really vocal. Jordan Willis, for the record, by the way, do you know when they're all coming over and they're shouting like, come on and stuff at the end? Why is Jordan Willis's louder and more aggressive and deeper than anyone else's? Like, man, I felt sorry for like George Dobson was like, "Come on!" And like Jordan Willis was like, "Come on!" Like, and it was just like, no. I mean, all in all, it's just been it's been great, hasn't it? But we've got a few like questions and and talking points. There's one from a Royal FCA and Junior underscore HHF. Both of them ask, "Is it time for the fans to start chanting Phil Parkinson's name?" I understand it happened yesterday. I'll I'll answer that first. I don't think, and it's testament to Phil Parkinson, he really cares. I think what he cares about is getting results on the pitch. Because, uh, to be honest, I'll fold my hands up. I was very much one of them. Um, and I think we all were. I think across the whole fan base, I don't know many people that were like, I think it was like 90% out at some points. 
But when you got so much crap that he got, and he still just stood on the sidelines and just got on with it. Like sometimes you could see it was affecting Jack Ross. He just didn't give a shit. Nothing. Big decisions don't phase Parkinson either. Like I I touched on it before. I mean, dropping the best player at the club completely, um, sticking to a tactical system that wasn't working for a long time. Just not afraid to upset people. Bringing players in and not even put them in the matchday squad is like I think. I think a lot of managers would like try and please everybody and maybe to the detriment of what's happening on the pitch. I mean, all fans would have. I think would have thrown Lafferty in by now, for instance. But yeah. he's stuck by what he believes in, and to be fair, it's working. It's like I don't think I, th- I think he's well. Maybe underestimated him. I definitely did, um, and I underestimate just how much experience he's got because he's like he's he's doing things now which I don't think I've really seen many son of managers do before. Like I can't I can't actually believe we're sat here now in the position we're in after Boxing Day. No, but it's a testament to him. He's just he's 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 retained faith in his own ability. Question here: Was it a masterstroke by Stuart Donald to appoint him, or was it just pure luck that the cheapest guy that was available was also turned out to be one of the better ones? I don't think they I don't think it was that simple, was it? I think it was more like they went through a process of interviewing people. I think I think one of the people that they, they sat and had a real big conversation with was Gavin McCann, who's the under 18s coach at Bolton, worked under Parkinson. He sung his praise. He was like really, really big on Parkinson. Like he's, this guy's unbelievable, really. When that that was the thing that we sort of threw back at Donald after he's well the fans collectively a lot of people when he came out on the radio and said that he came with good references and everything mm. and when we couldn't win it, when we couldn't buy a point people were like well you know where's he's how how where did you get these references from who was telling you he was a good appointment but I just, I don't know I don't know I think I think time will tell won't it because yeah. when when Parkinson was appointed we were told he was appointed because we. The underlying performance data suggested that we weren't going to improve under Jack Ross. We were going to regress further. Um, Parkinson was appointed to get us promoted. Now, as we sit here today, we're in fantastic shape. But so are four or five other teams, all in the same decent form that we are. Um, So I'm not going to jump in two-footed on that. I think we have to just get behind them, hope that the methods that are working right now work for the rest of the season because we will get promoted if we keep carrying along on, on, on this trajectory. Um, and it's all coming from a you know a baseline, like the defence. He sorted the defence out. So everything else really should fall into place, provided you know everyone's working hard for the team. I think we all really want to be wrong. I think sometimes there's a misconception that Sunderland fans want to be right about certain things and whatever their opinions may be. I think I haven't met many people that want to be proved right ahead of... Uh, Above the detriment of the Sunderland team on the pitch, of course. Like We're I, fans, I'm aren't we? desperate to be. I yeah. was desperate to be wrong about Jack Ross. I wasn't in that case. I think I might be wrong about Parkinson. Yeah, nobody takes any sort of um, pleasure in going. Oh, I told you so. Nah, we've wanted every every single management appointment. Whoever it is, you can see it from the offset to go. I'm not keen. Or that one's not for me. But you know, we all wanted Grayson to get us promoted. We wanted Coleman to, to then you know try and keep us up. Um, I I, th- I think. The way this one came about was was interesting because it seemed that you know Donald was was so fully behind Jack Ross even when he sat in the studio and and you asked him you put the question to him you know why is Jack Ross our guy how confident are you Numerous that he's going to get him, get us promoted and he, and he reeled off that long answer about Aidan McGeady wanting to stay yeah, because about of Jack even Ross a, <laughs> even Aidan McGeady and, and how important it was that these yeah, these which two were fair, fair going to be the focal point um, behind our promotion and then it was what I think we worked out it was 52 days later but it was it was just the, yeah. the manner of events that were falling in line it was the the whole 
um, you know, kind of the takeovers off announcement that happened. And then like 15 minutes, 20 minutes later, whatever, Jack Ross goes and you just kind of like, everything's just falling apart here. The investment. Yeah. Um, and then it, it, the, the whole kind of manner of the way it came around, it was like, right now we've got an opportunity to go appoint maybe someone like Kevin Phillips or, or Stendhal. And these these were the front runners. And Parkinson was only ever mentioned as a name in the background. And for those who listen to things like, you know, the Under the Kosh podcast and stuff like that, the appointment of him coincided with so many players going on that show. Do you know was, wasn't and, it? Yeah, mm. they were pulling them apart. I think that Wilbraham in particular, who tortured was, him, didn't he? Oh, God. I mean, he, he gave him such a scathing. But we tortured him on Tuesday, didn't we? Did, so. Yeah, but <laughs> the, 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 the feedback that he gave, he was saying how much he was a yes man, this, that, and the other. And I think everybody allowed that to kind of influence them of such. I did. It does, doesn't it? It's natural. When the results on the pitch aren't working, you, you look yeah. at why it's not working to fix it because you want things to be right. But I would also say on the flip side, realistically speaking, and if he was sacked on Boxing Day, I don't think that he could have had many complaints. No. And no. if it is the case that we do get towards the end of the season and we do fall short, then unfortunately, the blame will still have to fall on Phil Parkinson's shoulders yeah. for that period where we've went to places like Shrewsbury, we've went to places like Gillingham, and sometimes we didn't even look like we wanted to win the game. And I think even he admitted that at least at one point at Gillingham. So you can kind of understand why people were getting aggravated about it to say, look, you are keeping the match winners like Maguire and McGeady on the bench at a place like Gillingham and you're openly telling us that you're settling for a point. That, that's just not good. But credit to him. You know, he's remained very set in his way. He's a stubborn man. He's, he's remained very set in his yeah. ways and he's, he's, he's rid the storm. But going back to the first question, I mean, if it is the case that people want to sing his name, by all means, go for it. Ah, it's it's yeah. not going to cause any problems or anything <laughs> in the ground just because people may still not be fully convinced. At the end of the day, if you put his name in front of Red and White Army, there's, there's going to be no issues. It happened yesterday and people sang behind us. But Phil Parkinson, in my personal opinion, I don't think he could give two shits. Nah. I think he's that focused on what he does. Even now, it's going very, very well. But he's not lapping it up to the extent where most managers would be ramming it down your throat going, I told you so. He's just very, very balancing. We'll go on to next week now. Like Jack Ross used to get quite spiky, didn't he? I like Jack Ross. I like Jack Ross. Yeah. And a testament to the fact that everyone thinks I absolutely despise him. I actually really want him to do well. And I think he will be a really good manager. But I think probably the fact that Parky's probably got about 10, 15 years management experience, on at least 12, you can sort of almost see that he he's had criticism before. And maybe he's acted the way Jack Ross did. Like after Akron and win when he was like, what do Sunderland fans want? Parkinson just kind of goes, yep, win, but we've got to win next week. Yeah. I, I didn't like Jack Ross. <laughs> nah. I think, Just to get that in there. I, th I think... I think he's wrong. Right man, wrong time. <clears throat> well, I think what's happened now is it seems like Steve Donald has perhaps doubled down an awful lot on Parkinson's appointment. You know, he allowed him to bring in the people he wanted. Nick Allenby, the fitness coach. He's brought in basically all of the backroom staff that he's asked for, whereas Jack Ross persistently asked for a director of football or at least somebody to report to because there's nobody running that football club on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis. So... You know, we'd hear many times that Jack Ross would be the first one in at the academy and he'd be doing four people's different jobs. But it seems that Parkinson doesn't have that issue at the moment. So thankfully, you know, we'll, we'll give credit to Stuart Donald at this particular stage. It looks like he's done the right things now, realising that perhaps he's failed with Jack Ross for a variety of reasons. But it looks like he's at least now putting that hierarchy and the structure in place, at least in terms of his backroom staff, to say, right, OK, you're going to have the, the tools at your disposal. To, to do what you're here to do. You ream it as promotion. So, yeah. If Stuart Donald <coughs> continues in that vein of realising his mistakes and fixing them to the best of his ability, he would not be that bad of an owner. That's a conversation for another day. Yes. Um, <laughs> let's, Sam, let's, before we get that, yeah. can I just chime in on this though? I think when early into Parkinson's tenure, he, he was asked, you know, is this, are you finding the job difficult when it was sort of not going well? Yeah. And he said like, 
I'm, I, I try to keep it. I kept the team up in the championship with no money. Players weren't getting paid. You know, no support from yeah. the owner. So this is a cakewalk compared to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you, you've got to remember where he's come from. He's he's as, as far as difficult management jobs go. I mean, Bolton's about as hard as it gets. Fielding yeah. a team of sixteen-year-olds in a League One fixture because you have no players. They're getting hammered you know. every week, man. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, he, he's walked into a. I mean, as, as much as we sit and we bemoan the fact we don't have a director of football, there's no real structure. I mean, these are like you say, all things for another day. Um, but I think I think Parkinson is probably content. It's probably he's probably got more resources available now than he's ever had as manager yeah. anywhere. Um, one thing I've not we've talked a lot about, especially me about um, Nick Allenby and the people he's brought in and stuff like that. Do you know who I'm really surprised by? Because he's got to have an effect on it. The lad that he brought in from Borough, his first team coach Taylor, like Andrew Taylor, Andrew right? Taylor, like former Bolton average left back for Borough, knew nothing about him, and yet he's came in alongside Allenby and we're playing some pretty decent football. He must be doing something and it's his first 30s? job, I'm sure. He's only 30. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was play, he played in the championship last season. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, he retired to become a coach. Must must be doing something and I've just noticed that not many people have gone, hang on, that first team coach must have been It'll be a collective well. thing, won't it? Yeah. It'll not just be one or two. I mean, Allenby Al- is yeah. obviously going to have, the reckon, I, I can't remember who said this, it might be Nick Barnes, but he talked about how Allenby is thought of like really highly and could work in a Premier League club and has turned down big moves to big clubs because he just likes being up in the northeast and that's yeah. why he's he was at Borough for years he's you know he, he's Bolton not too far away etc so I think this guy is obviously the real deal because since he's come in the overall fitness of the team's improved massively but not just you've got to like look at people like Maguire and yeah. look at how much Clem he's lost and yeah. like he's like I say, he played right back practically yesterday, and like, who would have thought Chris Maguire would be a team player? I mean, you you asked Lee Clark when he was his manager at Berry, like, oh, you you talked to any Berry fan about Chris Maguire? Let's say he was overweight, lazy, didn't disinterested, not a team player, blah blah blah. All those things, he's the complete opposite of now. Delighted he hasn't lost any of his shit houses though. Like if if, if I'll we tell you what he has, I think them. I think he stopped. I think he stopped it. trying to make it all about him. He yeah, has actually. Well, yeah. yeah. Yesterday, I think. No, I mean there's little things like that, but they'd be more frequent, wouldn't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm talking about like how you do you don't necessarily. Or, or all right, the other week when he scored that great goal. I mean, those are the moments he's on the pitch for. The yeah. the, the, the set pieces, I mean, his deliveries improve loads. I think if you look at the at the data for the League One. Just there's only Ivan Tony ahead of Chris Maguire in terms of goals and assists, assists combined. Yeah. He's got 18 this season combined. Um, so it just shows you like he's he's really he's really important to this team, and I'm just so glad that when it could have went one way or the other with him when McGeady left, I think he was obviously one of McGeady's mates in the dressing room. He's went the other way, you know. He's went no, no, I need to knuckle down. Do you think Maguire's looked at that and went? I'm not going to get a bigger football club than Sunderland. Yeah. But maybe Aidan McGeady's went, I'm definitely going to get a bigger football club than Sunderland. Do you think that's maybe something about the character of them? Because I think at the time, everyone was like, they're both going, especially after the McDonald's photo. And I, and I know that kind of went to the extreme. There were, it, people were either were like, well, so what, they're having the tea? Or someone were like, that's an absolute disgrace. Oh, yeah, like, but, I, I couldn't get less. Yeah, but uh, he, he's really knuckled in now, hasn't he? And and I know he's playing for his future. Like a lot of them, I think up to 14 of them are out of contract this summer. Yeah, there's a so lot. So if you look at it, Chris Maguire's clubs that he's played for previously, and most recently it's your Oxfords, your Burries and things like that. If he was to leave us, he's probably going to be in League One, um, but nowhere yeah. near as big as Sunderland. Not many clubs even in the championship that, 
you could Scottish probably teams get like maybe. 30 yeah, yeah, that's all I could see. Yeah. Scottish yeah. league, going back to Jack Ross maybe. Say, like Jack Ross Ross again, yeah. The only two teams bigger in Well, Jack Ross, Jack Ross, and Chris McGuire didn't get along at all. I don't think so. I do. I. Isn't it funny that he went back from McNulty? I mean, so Hibs fans absolutely love McNulty. Like when he, yeah. like when when he signed, it was like literally go through their Twitter feed, and it was like <laughs> right pot noodle and a wank time. It was like like <laughs> we're talking about they love him fitness a few minutes ago, and they lost Camberry on the yeah. same day, so it's kind of like who's available and who will come straight away. And he's a, I think he's a Hibs boy. For anybody who, who was at that uh, that Gillingham FA Cup game against, uh, sorry, the Stadium Light there. The first oh, first round when he God. came on, like he, I was like McNulty. I mean, honest. don't get me wrong. You could you could tell that he had the quality, and he, you could tell he had something about him. But again, it just seemed like there was like a little group of of lads who just just did not give a shit in terms of their fitness or what they looked like. Maguire has perhaps been it's like so weird that, that Maguire would be in that group of like basically Glaswegian Celtic fans. <laughs> it's like yeah. a lot of them. Like I think I think McNulty, McGeady, they're all like. It's like Hibs or Celtic. I think they're oh, all, they're like all from Celtic. Like, they're all Celtic, yeah. Because um, I can't. I'm, I know Jimmy McNulty's not the biggest fan of Rangers. I don't think he check his Twitter. He doesn't like the fact that Steve Avery's lost Steve up either. Um, but, um, <laughs> but Sam, I'll throw I'll throw this question. Sam's still here, by the way. Um, I'll throw this question to you now. Rather than kind of a, a, a rounded answer of like, would you or wouldn't you? I suppose where would you if you would? But Terry Fourth One asks, same team week in week out. Will it burn the players out? Um, at the wrong time, do you think it needs to freshen up? And if you do think it needs to freshen up, where, where would you freshen it up? I think I've been saying for a few weeks, um, I think Gav touched on it earlier, thinking he's making subs too late or not changing the team. The biggest one for me was after Portsmouth. I really thought we were going to see Scowen and Lafferty come in. I've been saying that recently, because especially when you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, but to be fair to the players and partners and the, the winning and the performing week in, week out, I think the only... Weak link in the team is we we still got issues with strikers. We, I I think if we had a mm. if we had a, a capable striker this season that was score even on ten goals we would be, I think would be clear at the top. To be honest, if we still had Absolutely if we had yeah. uh, if we had a normal Will Grigg who used to play for Wigan would be <laughs> already promoted by now. To be honest, but I think with Wyke, um. Over the sort of ten games, everyone's been saying, "Yeah, he doesn't score much, but he's he's hold up play and everything's been superb." But I would argue recently, I don't even think his hold up play has been there. His touch has been a bit sluggish. So he was he was the worst player on the pitch for us. Yeah, yesterday. He, he, he couldn't. Yeah. He wasn't doing anything yesterday in terms of Warrant and staying on. To be he's honest, either great or bad, isn't he? I think he's very rarely just average. He needs to he needs to use his body an awful lot better. I mean you look for when Lafferty's been introduced of late and he's coming on, he's one of these big better. chests, uh okay. chesting it down. And the thing the thing with White is he's also the biggest man on the planet, Lafferty. It's huge. Like, just his limbs. Like se- seven foot. Not seeing the following. We'll cut that out. Um six but the, foot five I believe. Yeah but the thing with um the thing with Charlie White for me is is he just does not use his body the way that he should be. He's he's getting pushed over an awful lot and there's more times than the knot of late where he's he know, loses the battle doesn't he sometimes yeah and, and rather than just get back up and kind of just get on with it he's just chuck him on the floor yeah it's I, league one. it was, it was funny listening to Parkinson on the radio after the game talk about how he thought he, he singled out White. he was one of the players he, he singled out for praise um, by the end of the he game he came back and he, he was he was clearing defensively but like look yeah that's great in terms of when you're trying to shore it up in the last few minutes There's but player there he's got quite a nice touch well he met you know there was there was, uh, there was two moments yesterday 
where I thought he should have scored. There was the one, the, the, the set piece, the free kick, which was a sitter, I think. Mm. I think you've at least got to get that on target and he puts it wide. The one against um, Ipswich where he just played a strip out of the keeper. Oh, yeah, and then the, the, the other one, the one that was more frustrating for me was there was a moment on about, I think it was around about the 65th minute. Um, their left back was fanning on with the ball. Maguire closed him down brilliantly and got him behind him and got right in behind the defence, cut down the byline. And he was waiting for somebody to just be there. Either I cut it back to them or put it across the face of goal. And White runs to the near post. Rather, you know, it's like the it's the worst place he could have possibly stood. Yeah. He runs to the if he just held his position, he would have been able to put it cut it back to the edge of the box and White had a shot on goal. Instead, he runs to the near post where Maguire's running. So Maguire Maguire's got nothing to aim at and he just fires it across the face of goal. There's nobody there. But like it, that's it's little things like that with Charlie White where I think like he just doesn't maybe have the quality. Um, He's not going to get near 10 goals at the end of the season. I think he's on five now. I'd be surprised if he gets more than another two or three. And he, he's probably going to play every week in that time. So he, if he's not scoring goals, he has to offer something else, which in some games um, you can say he does, some he doesn't. And that's that's the nature of the beast. But when you're a team trying to win promotion, I mean, you, we're, we're competing with Peterborough, for instance. They've got the best centre forward in the league by a mile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Portsmouth have got Marcus, who's starting to come into form. You know, Rotherham have got Ladapo starting to score goals now. It's like every other team seems to have a centre forward yeah. who's scoring goals apart Someone from us. Um, like but the, choice. the midweek game, um, who did we play midweek? They're all coming Rochdale. so quick. Rochdale, Rochdale, yeah. Right. So on, against Rochdale, I thought we used White to great effect. He didn't necessarily touch the ball an awful lot or do much with the ball, but he was just a total decoy. So wherever he went, the centre halves were getting drawn in. And you watch all the goals back, they're all come down the right hand side, and it's a case of they're all sort of focusing on Charlie White and not necessarily on Lyndon Gooch who was just getting coming in from the left and, and just picking the ball up and scoring goals easily when you use him like that brilliant because it means I think Parkinson spoke after the, the game midweek and said I've told Maguire and Gooch to start thinking like number nines yeah, in term, and, and you can totally say that I mean the the, the hovering around the, the 18 yard box and, and you know especially Gooch he's having a great second half of the season um, but like you still want to see a little bit more from White. Like yesterday, when Gooch wasn't at it so much, and Maguire really, his role totally changed. He was practically playing right back, as I've said a few times. When the, when you get those little chances, like that header, you've got to put them away. Those are the ones that Madjo was yeah. Madjo was scoring pretty easily um, when he when he was here. And I know we're not going to get another Josh Madja, but I, I just think he's got to be he's got to be better at, at those crucial moments. Even if he's not going to score, I think yesterday screamed out for someone where we just need him to keep the ball a bit. I mean, mm. I think Lafferty came on and we got a throw in. He quickly spun his man and went the corner. He just sort of has a bit more about him. Whereas he likes to press as well, doesn't he? I just felt he like... pressed one there, defenders in the goal. I, I still don't understand how he didn't get the ball <laughs> off in there. That could have still been going on now and he wouldn't attack yeah. him. But Deep. I don't know. I just feel like with White, there was an instant yesterday where he sort of, if he was, if he had a bit more about him and. Uh, Shoved the defender, he could have got in on goal, and he got pushed over himself. And it's yeah. like he reminds me a bit of Wickham like that. Connor Wickham used yeah, to do that, didn't he? Didn't really. You use think he's a big lad, and he just gets pushed about oh, so easily. God, Connor Wickham, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. uh, Charlie Charlie White does remind us a lot of him in the sense he's that you just you huge. expect him to do more with his frame, and he doesn't. No. You know, when he when he's when he's got the long ball coming over the top, more often than not, he doesn't jump. He backs into the defender, yeah. and he's. I mean, it never works. <laughs> I wish he. I wish he would just jump every so often and try and win a header because we'll have we'll have you know a better chance of retaining possession. And maybe yesterday, if I'm going to pick fault at Sunderland yesterday, although we defended brilliantly, I felt like when we when we were pumping it forward, 
White just wasn't doing didn't enough. Really the pressure, did he? It wasn't really no. It was pushing us straight back. You know, we, we were getting the ball, playing it forward, losing it, and it, then Oxford would have another spell of possession. So, do you think we've we're sort of saying now that he's he's going to stick with White and play every game? Like I think, you said? He, I think he would have changed it by now. Like I think, uh, I think he would have started Lafferty at least once by now. I thought I'm, I'm really surprised he hasn't even like... even spoke about. I can't remember if it was after the game on Tuesday on Tuesday or yesterday. I think it was on Tuesday. But he was asked by Nick Barnes about Lafferty and he said like, oh, he, he didn't really want to be drawn on it, but he did say like, oh, he's a great option from the bench. I just think that's how he thinks of him. I don't think he's, I think as long as Wyke's fit, he will play. It's mad that though. I mean, I've uh, I've watched Lafferty probably more than a few. And Lafferty, the thing with Lafferty is he can hold the ball up in the way Wyke does on a good game better. He wins more balls in the air, but also he can score like pure 20 yard, 25 yarders. He's got a decent shot in him. So he's got more of a goal threat. And I think everyone sees when Lafferty comes on. This is finding a negative out of a really, really positive past few months. But like Lafferty, in my opinion, is just a better player. But one thing that's probably quite interesting, why we're talking about strikers, we're forgetting, about, somebody, aren't we? we're forgetting yeah. about someone completely who we paid three million quid for. And I think it was Helen Armstrong asked, will we ever see Will Grigg in a Sunderland shirt again? Unless White gets injured, no. Because the only way he's getting on the bench... It's due to an injury, isn't he? I think he'd probably play even like I think he'd probably switch it and put someone like Gucci or like Watmore in front of me than than White at the Met. I think he's just gone. That's not going to work anymore, son. Would you put him in the twenty threes? I was just about to say this. Like, what? That's one thing I can't get my head round. Right? Is the twenty the twenty threes? <laughs> yeah. Well, the twenty threes play every single week. Yeah. Right. And we've got like loads of decent players. Ethan like, Robson as well. Yeah, why don't yeah. we give? Why aren't we giving some of these lads a game in the twenty threes? Yeah, know? if you watch the Even behind fresh. the scenes and stuff, Greg's always in and around yeah, the dressing room. Yeah. He looks yeah. like he's sort of. If you if you were to just watch the behind the scenes, you would think he was at least in the squad. Mm. Did you see Sam Ricketts talking about Will Greg during the week at Shrewsbury? Yeah, um, he, he said he tried. To, he wanted to sign him. him. Yeah, but if you also read it later on, he said it was like seven players he was due to bring in or there would have been seven players he would have had on loan if he'd brought the ones in that he said he was really close to getting and obviously I don't know if any, anyone's noticed but Shrewsbury on a pretty horrific run like they do, they're not happy at all um, down there I don't think mm. so I don't know if it was just a case of he went can I have Will Grigg and we went well will you pay the 10 grand he's on and they went nah I went no you can't I don't know if it was that close or it was really close but the fact that the conversation's been had probably indicates I think everyone expected Grigg to go I'm, yeah. I'm, you know you sorry you know when you're talking about Will he play again? I mean, I'm just looking at the table now. We've got we've only played 31 games. There's still a third of the season left. Yeah. So who knows? Like, I mean, last season would you have exp- if I if it went to you last time this time last year, Ali Mozturk's going to play every game between <sighs> April and the end of the season. I think he played like the last nine games of the season. You're like, eh? he, he doesn't get in the squad. Well, I hadn't seen him for. I think he was playing checker trade games and that's it. Yeah. You know so. Anything can happen. It was and, a joke. One of the King Allen thing came from the fact that he'd come in and just yeah. play well in the checker trade. I think just a kind of few final points on, on this particular question is, and, and Gary Bennett always alludes to this post-match when he's speaking with Nick Barnes, is about if you are on a run and win a form, you know, the idea of, say, these little knocks and niggles and injuries and things like that, they'll shake them off. You know, they'll, yeah. they don't feel them. The, the body reacts much, much better and mentally they're in much better place opposed to if they're on a losing run, that perhaps they wouldn't want to be involved and that, you know, stubbed pain or I mean Chris Maguire had a dead leg the other day we've had it in the past where people yeah. have been out for like a week or so yeah it's funny you were on it about uh, under the cosh before I listened I think it was Otsumabo mm-hmm. he was on the other week and he was talking about how like when teams are winning he said there's no professional footballer walking around now who's not injured everyone's injured they've all got knocked Every, everybody has got something yeah. a little knock and niggle and you play through it if you want to play through it it's a, it's a mental thing yeah absolutely 
Cats won it there for like 10 years, was injured with his hip for like forever yeah. and a day yeah. and just continued. <coughs> McGeady played with a broken foot last year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm. even look at Chris Maguire when he got injured against Accrington at home. He broke his uh, broke Gillingham. A, uh, Gillingham, sorry, broke a bone in his leg, tried to run it off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then obviously the body has to tell him at I some think point. It's damaged, no, mate. Yeah, <laughs> it might be a bit, might be a bit hurt. But the the, the last kind of thing on the, on the Greg thing is um, it's the concern is if say White gets an injury, Lafferty gets an injury, or anyone like that, and he has to come in. He's not fair. Is he? No, some of these lads are going to be an awful lot of. Uh, I can't remember the last time I seen Will Greg. Well, I don't think he's been in a match squad now for about seven or eight games. It's been Definitely. a while. He was on the bench prior to that. Um, Mine would do play. I know this isn't the same, but they do play full nineties behind closed doors yeah. in training and mm. stuff for the specifically for yeah. the players to who need. I remember when Watmore was injured. Uh, the club actually released some footage. It was an eleven v eleven squad game, and oh, it was yeah. the, it was played specifically to get what more fit. Like I, I, I assume we don't hear about a lot yeah. of this going well, on. I think yeah. even maybe for confidence wise, I mean, look, obviously the twenty three is getting beat every week. Maybe get him in, get him to score a goal or something like that. So he, he at least gets that feeling back. You yeah, know, just playing in front of a small one, crowd yeah. where there's no expectations or anything, and and hopefully that'll kick start. And but I'll be honest, if everybody stays fit. I can't see for me I think that the final point for me with Will Grigg is not just for Sunderland but for him I'd, I'd like because I, d- I don't dislike the lad it just hasn't worked no, it just hasn't worked I'd like to see him just go somewhere and just do well as long as it's not the detriment of Sunderland just yeah. you know yeah. get a bit of money back from him so you know what Will get yourself away I, I mean you can forget about that like don't yeah. think we're getting any money from nah you can guarantee he'll score for whoever he goes to like good luck to him oh yeah but it, the thing is if you look at his career path he's never played for a big club I'm not, I'm not saying that's the main reason why it's not worked from here. I just, you get the impression he's not maybe... It's the expectations he's had. Well, I don't think he's the type... I don't think he's got a big character and I think to be a success at Sunderland, you have to be. Yeah. You have to have a personality and a big character and, you know, for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked. He's not... I think it was a very short-sighted... I know we could sit all day talking about this, but it was a very short-sighted signing. You know, we just looked on paper at this player who scored loads of goals at this level and I don't think there was any deep thinking involved. Maybe that's... Another conversation again about the recruitment process the club has currently or maybe had last season. You know, how how in-depth are we going with these players? Are we, are we speaking to people about whether they're good movers, whether they're, you know, fitting well in new groups of players, etc., etc.? I, I just think everything apart from Griggs' prior record in this league pointed to him maybe not being the right kind of player for Sunderland. And it's shown. He hasn't, he hasn't been able to kick on for whatever reason. That. I said that after the playoff pod, didn't I? Mm-hmm. I said it directly. Why Why did, like, who was in charge of? And I've said it numerous times how frustrated I was that the question got misunderstood. I was asking where Stuart would play him on the team. I was just saying, like, who was in charge of making sure that was the right replacement for Madger? Because I think looking back, whoever decided Will Greg was the signing to replace Madger was just so short-sighted. Well, the documentary's out in a few weeks, isn't it? And oh, we know God, that... Uh, uh, back of my head's on it, apparently. He, he was Jack Ross's <laughs> man to a certain value, but after that he went yeah. home and... We'll, we'll let the documentary show the yeah. rest, but it's not going to make for great watching. I think Nick isn't. Barnes sat here a while ago and said that, didn't he? Yeah. It's yeah. Not, he said yeah, he's not. seen it and it's like, it's a bit of a farce. Like. Yeah, it'll, it'll, come, it'll come out when the documentary's come out, but I think anyone who's heard anything has pretty much all heard the same story, which... It's not great. It's not It's normal rumours. There's normally little differences in each one and everyone's heard the same story, but um, there was another question, but I think we're sort of touching it. It was just from, from Ryan, um, my big mouth. He was asking about the, the game plan and I think we're just talking about the game plan, but I think we've touched on that, haven't we, more or less? Yeah, it's. It, I think there is a set game plan in terms of every game we're going to now. Um, I think in terms of the question he put forward, he was mentioned about the Ipswich game because and how impressive each game was going forward. Yeah, because yeah, at half time everybody had kind of mentioned, hadn't they? Like we looked so far off the pace, but what had happened was we came out the second half and we just literally 
took the game up uh, another gear, didn't we? Uh, and, you know, Jack Ross done that a few times last season as well. Would let the team have a 15, 20 minute spell. Mm-hmm. They were blown smoke. And then we knew if we capitalised the next 10, 15 minutes, the game was over. And um, and the Rochdale game was pretty similar to that as well. You take your chances over a 10, 15 minute window. And what I was quite surprised with off the back of that one, there was there was a few moans and groans in the second half. And I'm not sure if people just got miserable because of the weather. The Rochdale. But like, yeah. you know, it was one of them. The game management was was absolutely spot on. The it's game was, it was won as soon as we scored the first goal. You knew that. And the second half, you just thought, right, let's just get through it. Don't, um, you know, kind of tie yourself out. Don't get injured or anything like that because the biggest game's on the weekend. It was like a training game, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. It was pre-season. I mean, you were pre-season friendly. I, I, I wrote about this after the game. I was like, I know what people want to see. Like, I, I was talking to somebody after the match and he was saying, oh, we should have put them to the sword five or six goals we need the goal difference and I was like I don't. you're so far from the mark mate we're 3-0 up well, we've, we've got a massive game on Saturday yeah three days time and we've had a game three days yeah, yeah. prior there's people behind me booing yeah I, 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 yes. I thought they were joking at first yeah. I thought they were like, trying Blo- to be along from me in the southwest corner booed them off yes yeah oh man get it forward 3-0 <laughs> up we've done that the, the goal difference we've, argument, we've won the game in 45 minutes yeah, let's goal, just chill out the goal difference yeah. argument is is obviously a big one but I mean, as you said at the start of the pod, we've conceded, what, two in the last eight games, seven clean sheets in eight. So the way we're going at the moment is, is we know pretty much every single game is that if we score one goal, we've won it. Yeah. I wouldn't even worry about goal difference. I'm not worrying. Peterborough are so yeah. far ahead of everyone else in the league. What's the point? What if it if, if it if if it's between us and Peterborough for second place goal difference? We're not going to beat them. No. We know that now. No, no. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. They should get points on the board yeah, because exactly. points beat goals. This, <laughs> this kind of loving with Peterborough if you like what well, I think they've played two games more than us and they're either yeah. one point or two points ahead of us so yeah. I'd rather take along winning 1-0 um, you know kind of chasing the pack down than being where they are hoping that we falter at some point now this time last season you go yeah we're probably going to drop points somewhere but the running that we've got it's pretty good um, yeah. Rotherham have got to play Coventry I think coming up in the next couple of days so oh. we just do our own business and just don't worry about anybody else then if there's any Keep team on. that concerns me weirdly, it's Wickham because I thought they'd drop off, but they've actually turned the corner a bit. They've like they've been yeah. battered for a few weeks and now they've won a couple of games. I think, but... I think it's going to be a case of fitness and squad size comes into play. Yeah, We've got a third of the huge. season left, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody read the piece that went out on the site on Valentine's Day um, from Steve Tiltman. The stat, his, I mean, his stat articles are unbelievable. He, they're so in-depth, like I can't get my head around it sometimes, but he produced some really interesting charts, and I'm just trying to pull them up now. Just loves it's about, it's about basically, <laughs> <laughs> it's a basically, it was a chart on who's got, the, there's a lot in there, but one of them is like, who's got the hardest running, and it's based on league position, and, and he's grafted up, and there's like us, and if I just get to it, there we go. So you've got us and um, Portsmouth have fairly decent run-ins. Everybody else is sort of towards the other side of the of the scale. That's who I think will go up, Southern and Portsmouth. Um, you've got to remember we're all the teams got to play each other as well. Yeah. So we've, I mean, we've got like we said earlier, we've got Rotherham, we've got Coventry, which now looks like a huge game. Have we still got Peterborough to play, have we? Peterborough yeah, at home. Yeah. Um, well, but in the next few weeks, but then the un- underneath that, if you I mean if you're looking at form and teams who are like outliers, I think Fleetwood have got the second best form record in the league at the minute. They're not in the playoffs. Yeah, but, that's, that's but, a big game. Yeah, coming up. Yeah. and Gillingham as well. Thing. Gillingham are a massive outsider. Gillingham are on a cracking run of form. Well, if you look at them, they attacking yeah, wise, they just attack, blood. attack, attack. They played four strikers the other yeah. day. <laughs> Uh, like the the whatever they're doing seems to be working. They but signed the lad from uh, Lincoln, didn't they? The big lad, Johnny Kinder. Yeah. yeah. So they've they've there's a couple of teams we've got to play who maybe you you would underestimate, but they're actually 
decent. on a on a decent run. Um, and you know what Joey Barton's like with Fleetwood. You know he's oh, gonna right. he loves playing Sunderland, doesn't he? Um, so that's going to be a huge game. What we can't afford to do at this stage is slip. We've got a real chance now of. I'm not. I'm not even bothered about winning the league. Let's just get promoted mm. by hook or by crook. And when people keep talking about like, oh, this team, that team, um, you know, worrying about what they've got, let's just concentrate on ourselves. Because I think as long as we carry on as the way we are, we'll get there in the end. I mean, there was a couple of surprise results yesterday, which have improved us even further. Mm-hmm. What are we? Two points off the top? Or three, three points. Three. Sorry, three points off the top two. I mean, who would have thought that? No, you, I a think month I'll, ago even. I was looking yesterday and I, I, I could have got this wrong, but I think we've lost one in thirteen and we've got thirteen left. So if you think mm-hmm. you keep up the same form, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've had that many pre-season. No, yeah, 100%. we're not. We're not drawn many either. We're looking at how no. many little games we've lost, but we've drawn what three or something. You've got to think of what happened. That two months where we barely won a game. Parkinson was just getting the squad into shape. He was getting them fit. He was weeding out the bad players that we didn't want. He was. He was finding out a system. He was finding a pattern of play. I mean, we're starting to see the fruits of that now, where there's teams now. They will suffer burnout. Peterborough are relying heavily on one player, essentially. We aren't. We're relying on multiple players to stay fit. Yeah. I mean, Ivan Tony gets injured. What's Peterborough going to do? You know? Or, or for it off to that end, um, Rotherham with... Uh, Ladapo up front. I mean, they've got... Every team has got good players, and we can't just say, oh, well, they, this one might get injured, that one might get injured. I just think that we have to concentrate ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Would we all say, though, that we are, at this stage, with the form we're in, the best team in the league right now? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Us or... Portsmouth, maybe. Pompey. I think it's difficult to say. I do. I think it's difficult to say. I mean, if you, again, if, if people want to go back and look through some of the stuff on the website, you'll see from the data. The problem is, is that where Sunderland have hit form, so have a number of teams. Yeah. So... Ordinarily, this run we've been on would have seen us go into the top two, but yeah. everybody seems to have just kept up the pace. Pompey yeah. just came, which is why yeah. teams like Ipswich have dropped away considerably. Because while their forms hit the skids, like four or five teams have just kept up the pace, and all of a sudden you're looking at a team who were top who are now like ninth. That's like meant. Pompey. I only just came across the video literally like two days ago of Joe Lynch pushing that centre off into the post. For the other yeah, week, funny, it was Marcus, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Marcus. Yeah, yeah, it was on a set piece. Yeah. Yeah. Made an awful lot about it, and the referee <laughs> just wasn't interested. But, uh, Fair play, Joel Lynch. Fingers crossed. Southampton fans like that. We tweeted that out, and the Southampton fans were all over it. Like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Loved it. Get out, son. Right. So um, obviously we're almost out of time. So we'll go through quick predictions, then we'll just sign off. But so I'll, I'll go in the opposite order that went last time. So I'll go to Craig first. Bristol Rovers at home on Saturday, eight nil or nine nil. Oh, nine. Um, <laughs> no, uh, two 0 uh, Maguire and Gooch seem seem to be our outlet for for pretty much everything at the moment, don't they? Um, again, just just do what we do really at home. The common theme at the moment is you know we're we're getting the teams, the crowds getting behind. Obviously, our eleven, and it's putting the fear of God into so many teams coming up here, and they just they just don't know what to do. Um, Ipswich were the exact same last week, and that quite surprised me a little bit because I thought some of them might have been able to handle the occasion but there's just teams that who who just can't Wickham in particular they they just crumbled in there um so yeah if we're just continuing the same manner uh, I'm more than confident that we'll get three points Sam um I'm gonna go three nil I think it'll be a carbon copy of Rochdale so be prepared for some booze at the end unfortunately <laughs> but, um, yeah, that'll be all right though won't it oh, if, yeah, if we win every game now at the end of the season three nil we'll oh, boo yeah. off every week oh I'll, I'll boo if we're winning every <laughs> week no I think I think we'll uh blow them away so to speak I, th- I think they'll be prepared for it but there's something about us at home first half when 
we'll get that first corner or first chance when our crowd gets up now. The players respond more than I've seen from a Sunderland side for years, really. But um, no, I think Gooch, Maguire and I'll see a Charlie White might as well. Uh, I'm not writing Bristol Rovers off. I think they're a decent team. Yeah. Um, I mean, the beat uh, Blackpool 2-1 on Saturday, which was a late win, I think. I think both their goals were quite late in the game. So shows they've got a bit of character. They're not too far down the table. I think they're on 42 or 43 points, if I just take a look. They not that long ago, weren't they? They're on 42 points. They're not, I mean, they're, yeah, they're a little way out of the way, but they're not a bad side. I mean, Johnson Clark Harris is one of the best strikers in the league. I mean, he's he's. A, I'm a bit surprised he never got to move to a better team in January. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got to we've got to ensure that we keep players like him quiet. That we keep, uh, you know, they're like Josh Janelli. There's another one who. There's Josh Janelli. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm not writing them off entirely. They always seem to give us a difficult game. If you look back since we dropped, in, I mean, we played them in the uh, Czech trade semis, didn't we? And that was yeah. that wasn't a straightforward uh, no. victory by any stretch. Uh, so. No, I'm going to go with maybe just a 1-0. I think it's going to be tight. I feel, I've got a feeling of a, a, a bit like the Ipswich game, where we, we maybe don't storm at early doors and it, it's a second half late on goal that wins it for us. I'm still confident we'll win. I don't see I don't see many teams broaching our defence. I just think I think our defence... There's not many teams in this league who've got players good enough to break that down. Because Oxford, for a, in a lot of people's money, are one of the best attacking teams in the league and they couldn't, they couldn't score against us yesterday. Marcus Brown won the best attackers in the league, couldn't score against us. So, I mean, bring it on. You know what I mean? Who's, who's, who, do, who in this league is good enough to break that defence down? I, I, other than Peter Brown, I'm struggling to till the yeah. end of the season, to be honest. I think just putting in here, if it is the case that the game does go like that next week, the most important thing is if things aren't going our way, is that the crowd remain on side, stick behind, stick them. behind them in the half. This is by no way means to, to kind of say that we haven't because the Ipswich the, game. The yeah, we literally got yeah. some further along line, didn't Relentless we? with support in that second half. Um, I'm more than confident. Really. Yeah, I'm more than confident that we'll uh, we'll respond in that way. But it's it's important that we uh, that we keep at them and um, and definitely definitely try and do what we have done because it's proven a success. I'm going to stick with my usual one 0 George Dobson. That's due sometime, isn't it's it? It's due, and it? it's going to come off one week. But um, don't yeah. get past the halfway line. He will. He will <laughs> this weekend. But uh, special mention, obviously, before we go to sign, before we sign off, sorry, to those down the road at Middlesbrough yesterday with obviously the banner and the support and the chance for Grant Ledbetter alongside sort of ourselves as well. It was a really, really classy gesture. And I'm, I don't know whether Grant listens to this or not, um, but everyone's fully behind you. Um, everyone's 100% with you across probably the whole of the North East. Um, hope that you're doing all right. We all at Rock Report wish him well and his family. And we hope to see him back at the stadium like very soon. I think we all echo those sentiments, eh? Definitely. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. Thank you as always to our host, Sunderland University, where I've been, I feel like, entrenched now for the past seven months. To make sure you still want to keep on getting the Rock Report podcast, if you've enjoyed this one, um, as soon as they are released, if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you... You subscribe, Acast, YouTube, YouTube, all sorts of places these days. Um, Our our YouTube audience will love you because there's only a few of you. Yeah, there's not many, but (laughs) I'm one of them. Are you? No, but well, you know what is? It was my idea back in the, a while ago. Now I was like, we should put them on YouTube. YouTube music's going to be a thing soon. <laughs> it just hasn't took off, has it? Thanks as always for listening in. Um, I've been Graham. We've been the World Report Podcast, um, and we're going to get promoted. Bye. Planning for your next trip. 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.